Welcome to the Toffee TV podcast, me, Ped, Baz, and we are joined this week by another radio superstar. It is Dave Vitti, big Evertonian, big, big, big radio guy, He's doing it for years at the highest levels, you know, fully into probably a hundred caps by now, I'd say, Dave, easily on the radio front, <laughs> <laughs> easily, well, probably, you know. But the first question I need to ask you before we get going, I think this is relevant now to status, is before we had a national lockdown, what tier were you in? Uh, I think we were in tier either one or two. I think we were one, but I think we were borderline two. Borderline two, eh? We could only dream of being borderline two. It's good. Some people are doing well, aren't they? I bet he's got a bleeding river going past his house as well. Hey, tier one, borderline two, just so he stays with the little people. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. He's doing well. And like you say, we can only dream of those we days. The only dream moment. of being borderline two, eh? How the other, how the other half live. Uh, how you been, anyway? Good, good. It's, you know, the best we possibly can be. I, I, I don't know about you, Dave, but in terms of football, I am, um, I'm, I'm over this football at the moment. And that's nothing to do with the results or Everton or anything. Just, I can't get excited anymore about football. I switch TV on thinking, oh, it's, you know, this game. And the minute you switch it on, you see there's no fans. And I think in the summer to me, that was a novelty. But now it's all worn off and I just find it very hard now to watch any football but you see but ironically having said that there's actually been some some great football on display you know not so much from us in the last few weeks but certainly in the early games in the season we were looking great but there have been some really good highlights and I mean that Lanzini goal and stuff like that you know there's been some great pieces of action that have happened in empty stadiums which is surprising. Um, but I know what you mean. It's, it's not quite the same. It doesn't feel real. It almost feels like a sort of series of training sessions and whatnot to an extent. And without the atmosphere there, it's just not the same game and, and, and won't be until such a time as they can get people back into, into the ground. I mean, stuff come out yesterday that they're looking at fans being back in soon. And yeah, I just look at it and laugh and think, Who's, who's writing these pieces? Because we're talking about, I mean, we've just had the chat before we started about family and Christmas and everything. And you've yeah. got people coming out saying, oh, yeah, we're going to put 15,000 people who don't know each other back in a football stadium as soon as possible. And to me, it just sounds so ridiculous at the moment. Well, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm slightly in two minds about this whole thing because... There was obviously a series of test events that took place in September with a number of volunteer clubs who, who ran these test events. And they were all compliant with COVID regulations at the time and with very much diminished capacity. So we're only talking about a couple of thousand people in, in wherever. I think Shrewsbury did one at, at Gay Meadow and stuff, whatever they call their ground now. They had a couple of thousand people in there and there was a few other test events. And they all went... Apparently, to my knowledge, they all went as they should do, and they all got a big tick and a clean bill of health. And then they said, that can't happen. However, at the same time, and granted, this is before the lockdown phase that we find ourselves in now at the time of recording, is that they were doing certain indoor events that you're allowed to go to. Most noticeably, the one that, that really stuck out was there was a big Q&A with Arsene Wenger at the Palladium yeah, in yeah. London. 
and you kind of go, well, hang on. How can you not have a couple of thousand people in a football stadium in the fresh air, all COVID compliant, yet you can put a load of people into, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And there's so many, there's so many things that, that exist at the moment which don't make any sense. I, me and my missus flew up to Edinburgh in, in September just for a little, little break away because we had the opportunity. And we went up there to go and see some friends without the kids. We got a flight. And I just naturally assumed that on the plane where you have three roads on either side, I thought, well, obviously, it's the first time I've been anywhere, you know, all year, really. So I thought, well, obviously, the middle row will be taped off or taken out. But it wasn't, you know. So you think, well, again, going back to the football analogy, you can't go to, a, to an outdoor, safely controlled event yet they can cram you into a little tube where literally I'm rubbing <laughs> shoulders with the stranger who's next to me, um, who, by the way, takes a mask off as soon as she opens a peanuts uh, or a crisp as soon as it's taken off. And you think, well, this doesn't make sense. So I, I'm, I'm slightly on the fence with the whole thing because at the same time, you've got all these businesses, which are, they, they struggle to get through lockdown one. They'll certainly struggle to get through lockdown two, whether it's chippies, whether it's pubs, whether it's cafes, whether it's coach companies, the list goes on and on and on. And the reality of the situation is that if they, if they don't get life back to some kind of normality sooner rather than later, these businesses just simply won't exist to, to won't be there to come out the other side. And then you've got all sorts of, issues with unemployment and poverty and uh, you know all that so it's a big big it's a big big question and I would personally like to see the return of fans to football albeit in a controlled way and whether that's possible or not I don't know can you get them to the ground safely and back again I don't know can you keep them out the pub I don't know Mm. I would like to see it for the good of everybody because I think that what people don't maybe realize at the moment is that the after effects of all of this in terms of the economy and society are potentially so much greater than anybody's given it, um, whatever time for at the minute. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I, I, I've seen some of these stadiums with, um, the, you know, the executive boxes and the, uh, corporate facilities open for watching matches, but you're not allowed to watch the match in, in the same stadium, if that makes yeah. sense. It's yeah, 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 that's yeah. absolutely mad. And it's like, you might as just let people go in, get an area, as we've seen in other countries, um, sit away from other people. I know what you're saying. The hard bit is getting them in the stadium, getting them out stadium. Mm-hmm. But, but you've got to do it at some time, haven't you? I mean, uh, when are we going to be clear? Yes, there's vaccines coming, but how long is it going to take to get that out to people? So... I think sooner rather than later. Actually, I think it's going to be a surprise. I think maybe after Christmas, they're going to start introducing it to, to maybe lower league, but maybe some of the larger stadiums lower league. Mm-hmm. You know, where, uh, where you can facilitate a lot, a, a few thousand, but in a large stadium. So yeah. you're completely away from from everyone else. And then hopefully introduce it to the Premier League. Because yeah. I just... I. Like you said before, I can't really get behind football at the moment. I, everything to me just feels mad. The games just feel like training games. You know, you're seeing all these mad scores. I mean, I found myself last night watching Chelsea versus uh, Tottenham from a League Cup final in 2006, just because <laughs> there was fans in it. But the, I couldn't remember what the score was, so it was a bit exciting. Tottenham won in the end, you know, just to spoil it for everyone. Um, I couldn't remember it. And I was watching Exeter and going, oh, this is good, isn't it? 
I watched a bit of Brazil and switched it off because obviously with no fans. But all I meant was the message is contradictory. Mm. We're talking about keeping everyone out of public places and help this country and do that. And then on the same notes, we're talking about putting 15,000 yeah. people together in a footy ground. I, I, I yeah. agree with you, Dave. It's, I watched Brighton and Chelsea in a, a pre-season friendly and they had 2,500 there in um, September or late yeah. August. Yeah. All spaced out. It was fine, but it's just that contradictory message I meant, rather than yeah, yeah. whether or not we should actually do it. Well, what's when you say spaced out, you don't mean like the back end of the glass, <laughs> <tree>, do you? you <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of them may have been. I don't know. I don't know. It's quite interesting at the moment because in Liverpool, obviously, we've got this mass testing. Um, you've seen soldiers everywhere um, doing the testing, and I went for it on Saturday and. It's not the nicest experience in the world, having to shove yeah, something down your own throat. Mm-hmm. Um, only Prince, I believe, has ever been able to do that before. But um, <laughs> joke for the kids there. Um, so it'd be interesting, though, whether we get to a situation where we have that mass test and maybe an hour before a game. And because if you get the results within half an hour, if you could go somewhere, let's say to Goodison, I don't know exactly where you'd go to get it. And there'd be this mass testing event maybe an hour before kickoff, and you, you know, if you if you pass, you get to go to the game, and if you you know you find yourself with coronavirus, then obviously you have to go away. But surely we're getting this mass testing out, then it would it would help events like like football. Can they not do that just in terms of? And this is only for my limited experience in the last few weeks. Can they not do that on the temperature testing? Because there's a couple of places where I went to this this pub back in the summer and and got there and, and this woman on the door just stuck like a gun at my forehead have you, have, have you had that yet where they oh. kind of take your temperature with this have you not seen it i've They've seen it, these yeah. temperature control yeah. things and they do that and then they instantly take you think like oh you know you're fine and and likewise i was i was away filming um last week and i had to go into this this studio and i've not really been out anywhere i basically spent my whole life in this spare room of mine here um, but I was out and the first thing they did is they, they put this, you know, gun thermometer thing to my head and sort of held it there for five seconds and then sort of go, oh no, you're fine. So I don't know whether, whether that's a simple and easy way of, of, of you know, clearing out those that are at risk or those that are safe. I don't know. But anyway, it's... on to the football. <laughs> on to I the happy, football. Happy no, well, I just want, we just, you know, when you, me and Dave have spoke on WhatsApp about Everton, but let's hear his actual views <laughs> about the way the season's going. I mean, what's your what's your thoughts of how the opening eight games have gone, Dave? And are we ahead of where you possibly thought we would be before the season started? I think it's fair to say on the balance of the eight games, it's been a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah. And I would have rather had this conversation um, a few weeks ago. Uh it's been it's been very very strange because obviously they started so well, um, three key signings which all knitted together instantly and seemed to have an immediate effect, and suddenly we felt that Carlo had finally got it right. He put his mm. team together. He got the best out of what he what he inherited. He's added to the squad, and actually he's got something that works. and And it was all looking really really good and really exciting. Um, and then the wheels have just completely come off and 
as myself and, and Ped were saying on Twitter, it's all become a bit Delph, hasn't it? You know, it's like... <laughs> fully Delph. It's just, you never, it's ever go fully Delph. Never. Well, <laughs> you, you, were, you replied after, I think it was the Newcastle game, kind of saying that was, that was the Delphist. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, all, it's all just gone wrong. The one, the one for me that really hurt was the Southampton game. Um, mm. I thought... I thought we were awful. Having said that, credit to them, I thought they were excellent that day. And I think they're a much underrated side, actually, under Hazen Hoot or Southampton. I thought they, they genuinely played really well. Um, and they would have been a match for anybody that day. But we, we just look like our confidence is shot. I know that the run of form coincides with Richarlison's absence. And we know what the stats say about that. But... Mm. We've got to learn to play without the likes of Richarlison and without the likes of Rodriguez. Um, otherwise, if we're so reliant upon them, then it just doesn't really mean for anything. Decore's form has, has slipped as well. Um, it just, the wheels seem to have come off massively. Um, and I felt that I felt that after the results with Southampton and Newcastle, that obviously the United game was a massive one to really get back on form. Mm. And to really prove that we were a decent side that could mix it with anybody, and obviously, that I, I thought we were awful that day, and I thought I don't think they're up to much either this season. I really don't. But I thought mm. we we gave them so much space, and we made them look far better than they actually are. Um, and a, and a good Everton side on form in the early part of the season would have would have done them easy, I think personally. Um, so you know, we find ourselves now with. We've had the break, which we hope has actually got some players back. But then Richarlison's been, been, you know, potentially injured again. We don't know. He's on a late fitness test, isn't, isn't he, from that international this week where he got clattered by, by what's his name? Cavani. Um, Cavani yeah. yeah. So uh, Fulham, is, Fulham is an absolute must win. I mean, mm. there's no two ways about it. It's an absolute must win, which then puts the pressure on it. But we've got to get something from there. Otherwise we're just going to nosedive and, and, and just slip down the table. So um, I don't know. That sounds very, very negative, doesn't it? Um, and, and I suppose we, we need to look at some balance because it's not all been bad. The first part was great, but my concern is now that confidence is such a big thing that having had this run of form and actually all of our high hopes have slowly disintegrated over the last few weeks. And, and I don't know how and when we get it back. I thought the uh, coronavirus bit of the show was negative, but that that takes some beating. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're right, but I, I think Dave. I think for me, I think you know you're right. We started brilliantly. I just think it was a bit of a reality check the last three games or last you know the last four games. It comes down to seeing what your squad's actually worth, and I think you know when you say about Richarlison, I, I just don't think we can do without Richarlison. Um, like a a lot of teams can't do without their best players. Just don't think there's anyone who can replace them. I think, yes, we have to find a way where we're hard to beat when maybe we don't have our best players available. But I think we've had, a, you know, when you look at the team, having no Richarlison, having Hamas Rodriguez looking not 100%, Seamus Coleman not available, um, and then different mixtures in the midfield, Mm. Holgate not available, the situation with the goalkeeper. We've had a few problems the last few games. And I think I think once we start sorting those individual problems out one by one, whether it be because we get our players back or because we finally make a decision on who's the best player for that position, I think that'll 
we'll get more of an understanding of of where we are and where we're going. I just think that we got ourselves into a false sense of security. I mean, the first four games or the first yeah. seven games of the League Cup because it looked like we'd found the team. You know, Gomez in midfield and um, the team looked balanced, looked balanced, and I think that's unravelled. And I think when that that unravels, you start thinking, well, there's not just one problem, there's two, three, four. And I think that for me, it's the the team will end, uh, which will end the season, will look very, very different to the one that started the season. So, yeah, it's a concern, but I think it's probably better to find out early that a lot of these players are not up to it. And most of them we already knew. I mean, God, Sigurdsson, Jesus Christ. He's on about his ninth mm. life by now, isn't he? So... Mm. Yeah, it's 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 weird. And Gomez, obviously, you mentioned there, but to me, hasn't been the same player since he since he came back from the leg break. Mm. Um, I don't know what's happened there um, because I was well. I'm still I'm a big big fan of, of of Gomez. I think he's a lovely player on his day, and um, and I thought he was a real quality act. But he just doesn't seem to be able to to match the pace for me at the moment. And I don't know whether he's lost some of his confidence. With the with the leg break, which which mm-hmm. players naturally do sometimes, you know, it does it does stop you going into certain situations because you're always going to be fearful of, of that moment. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, okay, I'm 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 painting the negative side of things, and, and actually <laughs> there is a, there is a reality check. And Ped, you're right because we have been without. Um, we have been without half a team, and 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 as you said, our best half. For, for certain key games and we need to get them back. But I just think that we can't be one of those sides that if Richarlison isn't playing, we don't get anything. We've got to find a way. Mm-hmm. And we might not be quite as fluid or quite as attractive or quite have the, the bite up front, but we need to be able to, to play without him um, and, and at least be solid and not get beaten. Because at the moment, certain key players go and, and, and we just look completely different and and you know there's all sorts of problems there, there was you know it, we, we have situations where we get we, we we have big holes in the middle because Alan's got to go over to the left-hand side and mm-hmm. go and maybe sit over there because there's no there's no bite there you know when yeah. you've got like Bernard and and there's this you know he's a good player but there's there's no there's no barrier there and then what happens is he gets pulled left and then you get a big hole in the middle and and this is this is what's happened with us a lot of the time and we have to find a way around that, and I just hope that I hope that the the roller coaster start to the season, which has literally gone all the way up and all the way down, culminating in this um, international break, has given Carlo an all an opportunity just to have a look at it and just kind of go, where are we, um, and what's the plan going forward? Because you know we still got a bit of a funny squad as well. It won't be coming on and. So like, what's that all about? I don't know. I don't know. How on earth did how on earth did we pay that money to Arsenal for a Wobi? I've got no idea. Absolutely I mean, no that's idea. Staggering. I think the, so, the problem is buying them without a plan for them. That was that was the problem, and it's our squads like that. It's got players who we've collected with no idea how we're going to play them. But I think you're absolutely right, Dave, in terms of the likes of Alan having to go all over the pitch trying to do other people's jobs and I actually think that's the problem with the core eh, as well I think when Gomez started the season he started it quite well really uh, and everybody was just able to get on with the job but then all of a sudden the ghost is back in there Sigurdsson 
and we've lost Richarlison. So it's almost like we're two men down in that midfield. Hammers hasn't been fit either. So you've got two lads trying to do five players' jobs almost, in my opinion. Mm. And it just doesn't work. We've got to get to a situation with the manager where he's got 18, 19 players he really trusts. And when we get there, ultimately we'll be a lot better than we are now. What have you meant, uh, made of the Anthony Gordon situation, Dave? Because obviously up here, there's a, you know, you get a player who comes through the system and you really want them to do well. And obviously, a few play- people have been surprised at the fact that he hasn't been involved or the, he, people thought there was an opportunity when Richarlison was, a, was uh, suspended. But obviously, that's, that's gone now. So what have you made of him not being playing? Or, or, or are you enough away from the situation to look at it and think, well, he's, you know, it's a young kid and time will come. Um, I, I obviously read all the same stuff um, in terms of, you know, the, the, the squad rumours, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've been surprised, to be honest with you, because I would have thought that the Richarlison uh, absence would have been an ideal opportunity to actually throw him in and actually give him some much needed experience. He's a good player. We know he's a good player. Um, and the more he plays at this level, the better that he will get. Um, and I don't understand why uh, Carlo hasn't given him more opportunities. And he seems to have favoured Bernard, for sure. Um, you know, and, and I just would have thought that, you know, like, like you, I'm surprised that Gordon hasn't had more of a chance in these, uh, in these last few games since the Richarlison suspension after the derby. But I don't understand why, I really don't. And I don't know whether... There was something I read where they said that, that, I mean, he's obviously got something about him in terms of, you know, he's obviously not backwards at coming forwards in terms of, I read something where he got and knocked on his, his door and basically said yeah. he wanted to play and all of this kind of stuff, which which both surprised me and impressed me in so much as I just thought he was a quiet little lad who just sort of got on with it. And if he didn't get picked, he didn't get picked. And actually the fact that he was he was trying to make his own uh, situation, I thought, well, well, good on you. Now, I don't know whether that... Um, <laughs> confidence has overstepped the mark um, and whether that's uh, played out against him I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know what's been said um, but he's obviously got enough confidence to to ask the question of somebody like Carlo which is is, is says a lot about him um, but I don't know why he's, he's not had a chance, I think that he should have we should have had a proper look at him in the, in the last few games mm. And there's a lot of talk at the moment about changing the subs rule as well, um, going back to what we had last season uh, well, the back end of last season. I think that would open the door for someone like Anthony Gordon a little bit. I wasn't in favour of changing the subs rule, but I think now, looking at the way, certainly, I know, listen, Liverpool players are falling down left, right and centre, so it'd be very easy for me to sit here thinking, oh, let's just have three subs, this is hilarious. But I think the longer it goes on, it does feel like the circumstances at the moment require a little, a little bit extra. So I, I would... I'd actually think about changing it to five subs again. And I think if it did happen, I think someone like Anthony Gordon would get that chance. Um, I'm like you. I'm not, I understand why he hasn't been playing, but I think there was opportunity to play him. Um, certainly, or certainly just give someone Richardson's place, just one player, whereas in yeah. fact every game was a different player. Um, so you might as well have just looked at Anthony Gordon. But what? Baz, to start, would you on the subs? Would you go back to the five, or do you think it's? Do you think that's just the top two crying? Yeah, I wouldn't touch it at the moment. I think 
I think we're all in the same boat. If you're losing players, then that's the way it is. The top two should have the resources to cope with it. It's as simple as that. I think you've got to look at teams like Sheffield United. It's not going to. It's not going to benefit them in terms of quality. They haven't got five subs who are at the same level of what Liverpool's are or Man City. The only the only thing that makes me consider it is the fact that they only had a three week pre season break mm. and then they're back on it. And there's but that's the way it is, isn't it? That's everyone. I know, but it's no, I, I, I don't know. I, I personally, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That's me, Dave. People, people don't like change. I wouldn't either. I'm, 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 I'm not a big man for change generally. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would, I would say no. Um, I've got another one for you. Two words: Chenk Tosin. Discuss. He's so been a surprise. To... Has he? He's been a surprise. Has he not coming on? Well, then he's got two <laughs> legs. Yeah. He's got two knees, I mean, so that's the surprise to me. Um, I, I, it was, you know, we. Well, what about Moise Keane? Are you surprised he's ter- you know, turning up in in France and doing it in the Champions League? Or you know, is that was that a decision that you found strange? Because obviously that's opened the door to Schenk Tosin to to play because we haven't had anyone else really to come off the bench and play up front. So. I mean, you, you probably put that situation in one in in one really. I mean, you are you surprised they let Moiskeen go? Uh, not on the evidence of what we saw, no, because I saw literally nothing at all from Moiskeen in the time that I saw him play. Nothing, you know. And actually, I've never ever I can't ever remember watch. I know we didn't see much of him, but we saw enough of him, and I can't ever remember seeing that many minutes of somebody without feeling there is literally nothing happening here for me. Um, and so I wasn't disappointed to see him go. I don't know what the problem was at all, but I wasn't disappointed to see him go. Mm. However, then it's frustrating because then, of course, he goes to France and then he starts scoring goals. And, and also, I mean, that was the other frustrating thing is that you would see him and kind of go, well, he's obviously got something about him because you, know, you don't become an Italian international unless you, you've got something about you. And he, he can obviously score goals. He's obviously a player, but why are we not seeing anything from him? Um, and I don't know what, what, what that's all about. You know, I mean, I know that there was, I know there was the situation with Duncan and whatnot, and he was in a huff about that. And he looks like a sulk anyway, but how we couldn't get anything out of him baffles me. But you're right. That has obviously opened the door to Tosin once, once more. He was obviously signed, signed under Allardyce, wasn't he? 28 million or something. <laughs> Tosin. Blessing just isn't good enough, is he? And he's there simply because we haven't got another centre mm-hmm. forward in the squad. I mean, you've got Ellis Sims, but he's a kid. You yeah. know, he's not he's not seen any Premier League minutes yet. He's been on the bench a couple of times. So after Dom, there isn't anybody else. But I, it's I a lot can't... of pressure on DCL as well. That you know, I mean, yes, he's been great this season. Well, certainly in in. in... I, listen, I don't, I don't think he's he's played badly in the last few games. I don't think he's had the, the, the service. But mm. he's been a revelation and his game yeah. has improved so much. But at the end of the day, he's still a young kid and it's mm. a huge amount of pressure to be putting on him as the lone striker. You know, there's got to be somebody else to take up that slack. Um, and I don't know what we do, but, you know, I, I think that we should perhaps have, have signed somebody else who was a proven goal scorer who'd done it, mm. you know, whether it was a Josh King or someone like that or whatever, just, you know, one of these that we know can score goals just to relieve the pressure 
on 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 Dominic because I think it's a lot for him to to bear at the moment. He's got no one else really with him. He can't he can't play the whole season on his own. He, he can't. Will. He will. Play. Dominic no. will will we'll play he the whole season. Will, but he will. We he, he heard Tosin. Even Tosin said the other day he said he's Dom's not a robot. <laughs> he can't. He, you know he can't play the whole season. He might be, but by by February and March he'll be garbage. Get him an extra sub. <laughs> I know who will it be. <laughs> no, but I think no, who will it be? But the problem is, though, no, no. Well, that's why you got Ella Sims. Be- you want Ella Sims. Well, if you had five subs, you've got an opportunity of Ella Sims. This is what I'm saying. It's not about any. My look at it. What I look at the subs is. It's not about everybody else. It's about if you make those three subs and you bring Sheng Tosin on because you're a bit wary of seeing Ella Sims. Well, if, you're, if you've made your three subs and you think with five minutes to go, ten minutes to go, we need something else. With those extra two subs, then you can bring Ellis Sims on. And I know it's not ideal and it will favour the top teams. But I'm talking about what, how it'll favour us. And I think in this season, the way things are going, I was dead against, dead against extra subs. But I think that's where you might see the emergence of Ellis Sims because otherwise I don't think you will. So... I think it would benefit of his if, if he was given an opportunity because I just think Carlo Ancelotti. I don't think he's, I don't think he's massively in favour of youth. I think he likes experience. I think he looks at it and thinks, well, I'll bring Sheng Tosin on for fifteen minutes rather than Ella Sims because that might end up being a wasted sub. But if we have five subs, then who knows? But I think going back to what you were saying, Dave, about bringing in a centre forward, I think that's one of the reasons we ended up with a Sheng Tosin is because. We needed a centre-forward and we, we looked around and seen some guys scoring some goals. And I just think we have to be careful. We don't fall back in that trap. And whoever we do bring in as a player that does help the squad, is an important part, is something a little bit different, but also is quality. And I think, I think we, you know, something you said before about the first three games or first four games, thinking we've cracked it. We, we aren't going to crack it for two or three seasons early with this squad, are we? Because every time... You've just said there, if Dom misses a game, let's say through suspension, because mm. I don't want to talk about injuries, then it is Sheng Tosin at the moment. But what we really need yeah. is if Dom goes out, someone who's real quality comes in, or Richarlison goes up front and someone of real quality comes on the left. Um, and that's the only way we're going to have a good squad, isn't it? And that's the only way we're going to start competing. At the moment, swapping Richarlison for three different players in three different games clearly is not going to do the job. I think it was, um, I think, it, believe it or not, I think it was Kieran Dyer actually who said this during the Newcastle game, the commentary of, and I think he said that uh, he goes, the thing with Everton is obviously we've seen Everton's first choice team is a great team. It's very, very good. But when you lose those players, as we've just discussed, they're a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, and as I say, without the likes of Rodriguez and Coleman and Richarlison and, and, and the lot, you know, it's a very, very different picture. And, and that's really what's been borne out in, in, you know, over the eight games so far. Yeah. Which is a worry. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just, I, I worry that, um, I worry about the, the strength and depth with our squad. You know, we might have the head count, but we certainly don't have the like-for-like quality. No. And, you know, you think Alan goes and, and then, you know, what do we do? Do we put Tom Davis back in there? You know, that's not a like-for-like replacement. I mean, with the greatest respect to Tom Davis, but that's not a like-for-like replacement. In the same way, Tosin is not a like-for-like replacement for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And we need to have more there. And I just think that 
given the money that we have spent, and we spent a lot of money, yeah. I mean, a, a huge amount of money, is that I just wonder tactically whether that could have been better spent. I'm not saying I know the answer, by the way. I don't know who we should have bought you know, for the same kind of money, but I just think that given the amount of the amount of cash that has gone out of the club that maybe we haven't used it in the best possible way. You would have thought when we started this spending 450 million that in four years we would be certainly mm. title or not maybe not title but definitely Champions League qualifiers or contenders, wouldn't you? And we sat here still saying if we lose two, maybe three players with a with a team that looks like a bottom half team. Which is embarrassing when you think yeah. about it. Well, it's you what want, you, Go on, Dave. I was going to say, do you want some positivity then? I, I feel like I feel like this is this basement <laughs> negativity. I'll give you some positivity if you like, which isn't really my style, but I'm going to try for it. I'm going to say that James Rodriguez has been an absolute revelation in the games that I've seen him play in this season. I think that I'm going to I'm going to go out there and give you a bold statement. I think that he could possibly be the most naturally gifted player I have ever seen, ever, in an Everton shirt. Discuss. <laughs> no, he's, he's been fantastic. And obviously, um, the assault by Virgil van Dijk, let's get it right, it was an assault, um, has set him back a little bit because he just didn't quite get over that injury. Now, whether that's... Whether that's something Carlo Ancelotti should have looked at and maybe left him out that next game when we played Southampton. Because when he played against Newcastle, he didn't look the same player. So maybe no. that's where the manager has to learn. Well, not learn because he knows everything about him, but has to learn more about the team and when to use him, when not to use him. Um, but on his day, oh, you're absolutely right. He's been up there with players like Andre Kanchelskis for players that are leave you on the edge of your seat. And, you know, every time you see him, one of those cross-field passes to Dean or Richarlison, it just opens up the space, opens up the game for us. And that's what we want to get back to seeing, isn't it? That's what we haven't seen in the last three or three games, you know, or four games. Um, we haven't seen that as much, and that's what we need to get back to. That's when we were our flu and best, and that's when... It was going from right to left and then into the box and you've seen against Brighton, he's got tappings. That's what we need to get back to, to, to watching. And um, that comes from balance, doesn't it? That comes from having a yeah. balance in your side. And this is why I think right back's so important and not having Seamus at his best and obviously don't know whether he's going to be available for Sunday now because of that injury he picked up with Ireland. Um, but yeah, Hamas Rodriguez, absolutely incredible player. Um, although he was on the back end of a 6-1 defeat last night for Colombia. So, you know, uh, once Everton touches your lads, uh, <laughs> score the pen. He did score the pen, yeah. I mean, Yeri Mina got sent off last week and they get big 6-1. So, you know, I'm sure all those Everton shirts that were sent over to Colombia would be getting used as uh, people cleaning the doors now. And, and <laughs> Did he do the Brasso in Colombia? <laughs> they do a lot of things, so maybe they did Brasso as well. Who knows? Um, yeah, James is, is unbelievable. When he's fit, he's incredible, incredible ability. And that left foot is just quite literally a wand. You know what it is? It's it's the way that it's it's the way that he knows 
it's a bit like snooker. He knows exactly where, before he's even got the ball, he knows where it's going. Yeah. And actually he knows where it's going after that as well. Yeah. And it's this thing where, you know, there's certain players where, and, and at the absolute top level, which he's playing at, um, where he's not even looking where he's passing it. Mm. You know, he knows where it's coming. He's, he's already, his head's elsewhere. He's thinking about, you know, what his next move's going to be. The fact that he's going to spray that ball out just as a routine thing. He's not even mm. considering it, which is yeah. just amazing. Um, and he's been an absolute beauty to watch. Um, and I say gen- genuinely one of, if not the most talented players I've ever seen in a blue shirt, just absolutely world-class. And I think for us to have him, um, is, I, think we're, I, think we're, I think we're really, really lucky. I think it's the best bit of business we've done in a long, long time. How, whatever that deal was, by the way, who knows? Doesn't mm-hmm. it show you though, Dave, like, you know, we've watched players for years that we've admired and we've looked on and gone oh these are great here he's great and yet when you get a real world-class player the Mm. difference like you've just said there where it's natural and they already see two passes ahead of everyone else it's just it shows you doesn't it It shows you what we've been missing really because we because it's hit a lot of us so hard on how good he is that it's it shows we've been missing that world-class players and yet some teams get to watch three or four of them playing their team every week. And when we look at teams like your Chelsea's and you know Man City's and Tottenham's, we've gone past us in the last decade or so. And we wonder, why, why, why are they getting all the attention or why are they getting all the new fans? It's because they have world-class star players and we've been buying Marcus Bent. Uh, <laughs> do you know, it's, that's, the, that's the difference though, isn't that what makes you... Put you on that platform, put you on that Champions League level, and it just feels like we've been conned. It goes back to buying players. We've been conned by so many players who we've gone, oh, these are great, and they turn up and they do the odd thing, but they're not. They're not. They're not on his Sigerson. level. I, I could be talking about Sigerson. I could be talking about Andre Gomez. I could be talking about quite be. a lot of players. I will be. There's loads, isn't there? Yeah. The list Lee goes Tiny. on and on. <laughs> who? Lee Tai. Don't ever dismiss the Lee Tai. He brought three hundred million in to watch a game once. None of them bought a shit, but they all watch the game. There is. A, we have been conned. We have frittered away money, haven't we? Which is, which is ridiculous. Because you just think, imagine if Ancelotti had the amount of money that we've wasted now, and he could go yeah. and bring in with his connections, talk on the back of the hammer stuff. You know, you, you're talking three or four other players that could come in and, and literally transform Everton's team. Um, in many ways, it's been a, it's been a, a perfect storm of, of, you know, in, in the wrong way because we in the last few years have had this money to actually compete with the big boys. Yet we've had an, a succession of managers since Moyes left. Mm. And obviously each one then gets this bloody war chest to go and do mm. with what they want. And they all have different ideas and they all buy different stuff. Yeah. And as such, we've now got a very, very expensively assembled and expensive wage bill, which has all been put together by, by you know, four or five different managers. Yeah. And they're like the, the mess that we're in now. It, well, it is, isn't it? I suppose that's where we've got to preach patience to everybody because otherwise we're going to... You know, we'll end up in, a, in an even worse mess. But obviously, we're talking about world-class players. We've been getting linked with Isco for the last couple of weeks, haven't we? And it, it does feel like very similar to when we were getting linked with James Rodriguez during the summer, and a lot of people dismissed it. But it does feel like there might be something in that. And I just, 
it's an interesting one, this, because now I've seen Hammerstad Vegas, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'd, I'd like a little bit more of that. But you've got to just stop yourself, haven't you, and think, is he the right player for us going forward? Is it? Can we afford to allow ourselves to just bring a lot of these expensive players in who might be class, but are they going to fit the team? Um, I mean, that's. I think that's a big decision going forward, Dave. Ultimately, for me, it always has been the most important position on the park is right in the middle. Mm. And you've got to get that right, you know. And I know, we, I know, we've seen him pulling the strings from, you know, from a wide position. But someone like James Rodriguez should be a luxury player, but it shouldn't be the player upon which the side is, is built. And I think that's what we've seen in the last few weeks. And when you take out players like Richarlison and like James, who are both playing wide for the most part, I know Richarlison comes in, but they're both wide players and it shouldn't be all about them. They should be part mm. of the mix and they should complement it and they should be the flair and the creativity going forward. But ultimately... It's about the people in the middle of the park. And that's something that, for me, we haven't got right for many, many years. Mm. Um, and that, to me, is where the money should be going. I'm hoping that in Alan, we have somebody who is real class in the middle. And actually, so far on this evidence, and if you think about, the, you know, certainly on paper, the combination of Gomez and, and Alan um, in the middle of there, then that does look really, really exciting. But... It's not quite happening at the moment for me at the moment, but that's mm. more to do with Gomez than it is to do with Alan. But that's where we have to be important and that's where we have to spend the big money, I think. You know, it's about the spine. I've always been like that. It's about yeah, the spine definitely. and the side. Most important. I don't want to see huge money being, you know, for example, um, uh, gone, gone, gone blank. What's, 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 what's the lad's name that we keep getting linked with at Palace? Um, Zaha. Zaha. Mm. So, you know, Zahar has a price tag on his head of 70 million or whatever it was, mm. was, was being banded about before. Now, listen, Zahar's a good player, don't get me wrong, and he will get us goals guaranteed, but that's not where that money should be going. You mm. know, you don't, for me, spending big, big money on wingers when your spine isn't quite right is just the wrong way around. Get the spine right first, then start adding the flair players on the outside. And, mm. and I've always been like that, you know, and, mm. and that's why... For my money, you know, we've, we've never replaced Reedy. We've <laughs> no. never really replaced Reedy, no. if, if truth be told. Mm. You know, yes, I know we had the Dogs of War and stuff like that, and we had that solid steel in midfield, but they, they weren't Peter Reed. We didn't, mm. we never replaced him and had that player that has the time to put his, put his foot on the ball and look up and just work out where he's going to put it. Mm. And We're that, hoping. to me, is an important position yeah, yeah. part. Let's hope Gabamon. Can come in. Well, yeah, we should have hopefully now yeah. going forward a fit fit squad. Uh, Gabaman sort of like one of the last ones now. He's back to Finch Farm, I think, this week uh, to finish off his rehabilitation. And we've seen bits of him in France, so hopefully he can be a player that we add to the squad. But obviously, Fulham Sunday, as Dave alluded to earlier, massive game, must win. Really, I mean, not must win in terms of like the form we're in, but a must win if we want to finish in European places. You've got to be yeah. going to places like Fulham and winning if you want to finish in Europe, because otherwise, you know, you give up games like this, you're just not going to get the points to get you to European space. No, we're going to we're going away to a team that's second bottom or third bottom, whatever they are, and you know, they've won one game all season, and we're trying to get ourselves into, you know, hang on to everybody who is in them European places. We've had a poor run of form, 
it's about you know turning it round now, and, and we've got an opportunity. We got Fulham, Leeds, Burnley in the next three games. Great opportunity for nine points. Well, it'll be difficult. There's no question about it, but great opportunity. And if Everton can get at least seven out the next nine points, mm. then they're right back in uh, European places. But Fulham should be the place where we go and restart. We had a great first four games, international break. Horrendous second four games, international break. And now it's time to start turning it round, and we have to do it on Sunday. Mm. I think, you know, if we if we, if we come up against Fulham, we haven't played him yet, but if we had Fulham earlier on in the season, you know, when we had Brighton and or we had Palace mm. and stuff like that, I think that on that form, I think we would have just blown them, blown them away. Mm. But at the moment, and I just hope that the, I just hope that the players don't end up with the burden of this, with the confidence. Oh, we've we've been on a losing run. We've had now had this break, and so much rides on the Fulham game that it it, it goes against them. But I don't know. We, we've we've just got to get that confidence back again. We've got to get that winning mentality back again, which I I thought that Carlo had cracked. Um, but, you know, maybe he's proven it's it's a bigger job than we thought. It's a bigger job to actually change around. And many people have talked about it. You know, the, the psyche of Everton, the culture of Everton, in terms of having that belief um, that actually they can mix it with the best of the best and I think often in in recent times they've just not believed that they can do that and Mm. I don't know why that is but we seem to see it we seem to see it's a lack of belief Mm. we change the players don't we we change players and it's still there but what is it what is it that (laughs) sort of casts this shadow over 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 you know these sides I don't know because we all know that without the without the inhibitions and without the mental side of things, that actually we've got players who are good enough, and they've proven it on their day. They're good enough to go out in there and beat anybody. Mm. But they don't do it often enough, and so and as a result, I mean, this was going to be what I was going to ask. You, where where do you see us? Where do you <laughs> on the balance of of, of where we, what we've seen so far, and it's early days yet. Where do you see us finishing? Honestly. Um. It's a difficult one because honestly, I don't know if there's ever been a season like this with a kind of start. That's so many teams are on similar kind of points, and so many teams who are normally get one or two. You get a Leicester or you get a Wolves, but this season you've got Leicester, Wolves, you've got um, Southampton, Southampton, you've got Villa, Mm -hmm. you've got Leeds. Even though they've lost the last two games, as a promoted team, they're dangerous. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You, do you know what I mean? You've got you've got six or seven, or you know maybe less, maybe four or five before you get to Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea are coming back now. Manchester United, even though people are saying they're terrible, their away form is really good. They only have to change, they only have to pick up a home before they kick in again. So it's a very it's a very strange season, and I just think we've got to probably get to the halfway mark with. 30 points maybe for me to think we're going to get into Europe but just about to get to the quarter stage uh, we, we can get to the quarter stage with obviously 16 points after Sunday's games I'll be a lot more optimistic I just think for me there's still lots to do with this team and um, hopefully Europe that's the way I look at it and hopefully listen we're still in the quarter final of the League Cup um, mm. against Manchester United we've still got the FA Cup 
And who knows how this season's going to play out. But I still, I still think, if you look at the league table now and, and what, a, what a win would do for us on Sunday, we'd still be up there. You know, we'd still be keeping pace with these other sides. So, mm. hopefully Europe, from my point of view, anyway. Anywhere between 5th and 10th for me. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think the interesting ones this season are Leeds, Villa and Southampton mm. in terms of sides. Uh, I mean, in, in Grealish, I mean, Grealish is on fire at the moment and, and, and Villa, Villa are capable, as they proved against the Reds, of, of, of really being fantastic on their day. Um, there's not many. There's not many people are going to put seven past Liverpool on, on in, in any in any kind of situation, and they did, and, and and rightly deserved. But as we saw with Southampton, Southampton were excellent when we played them. Yes, we were poor, but actually that that result was more about how good Southampton were, more mm. so than how bad we were, and mm. that's what I think is important. Um, and yeah, and Leeds Leeds look dangerous. So as you say, there are certain sides in there that can occupy that sort of middle area that like Leicester have taken up in the last couple of years. Do you know what I mean? Those mm. are just outside the big boys, but really, really strong in your kind of whatever, eight, seven, six, yeah, fifth, yeah, that yeah. kind mm. of territory. Um, and we need to be in there. Um, but I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot tougher this season because of the likes of Southampton, because of the likes of Leeds and Villa and whatnot, mm. because we would, on paper automatically you know we should be in there we should be in there with with the Leicesters of this world and I think it's going to be a lot more difficult this this season the, the only thing I would say about those three teams is you couldn't take five players out of their teams and they had fall like we have done and that's True. the only thing True. that I'm holding with us at the moment I think if- Southampton certainly they've massively took the advantage of no European football playing week to week. And I think that's one of the things that disappointed me in, in the last month is where all the top sides are playing in Europe, um, playing midweek and on a Saturday and Sunday, and we haven't. And that's that's that was a big advantage I think we've given up, where somewhere like Southampton have took advantage of that, or Villa have took advantage of that, where Arsenal were playing on a Sunday and then Villa played them, uh, playing on Thursday and then Villa played them and have gone and beat them, but they haven't. They haven't had five players. No, no, but the, so but I'm saying that's yeah. The, then that's our fault for having a collapse. Squad, no, well, at the end it? of the day, ultimately, at the end of the day, hopefully, we'll know more yeah. about this team when the team mm. is fit. If it if it picks up because everyone's fit, then we'll know that a the first eleven is good enough. We'll we we know underneath it isn't, but we knew that anyway, didn't we? We kind of knew that anyway. Dave, this is the most important question of the day, anyway, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Would you ever do I'm a celebrity? Um, for the money, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been, uh, funny enough, I, was, I, was, I, was, I thought we might talk about this because obviously we've got a, a trip to uh, Happy Place, Happy Place Turf, more turf, more coming up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, with, with, with Jordan North, um, who was on. Yeah, I mean, I, have, you, have, you, have you seen the first couple of episodes? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I think it's always a good watch. Um, I'm not sure that I would like to be locked in a, a chamber full of snakes and spiders and all that kind of stuff. And I'm also not sure that I didn't see last night. So I couldn't bet. I, I, I can't watch the eating ones. Oh. <laughs> the ones where they end up kind of eating kangaroo dick and whatever like that, you know, or whatever, whatever it is this, this, this year. It was sheep, um, but carry on. Well, yeah, well, um, but no, listen. If 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 the if the opportunity came along, which it never will do, then yes, of course I would do it. 
I think financially uh, anybody would be stupid to turn it down, but I'm not sure that I would enjoy it. What would be your biggest fear? Like what trial would, oh. would end you? I don't like heights. Um, I don't like being underwater in a confined. Sometimes they have those ones. I think yeah, I'd be scared yeah. of those. You know, you know the underwater tunnelly ones. Yeah, you know, where yeah. They have to go and they have to go through. That would really freak me out because I would be really worried about not being able to get out of there. And I think I'd have a have a panic attack yeah. about that. But I would like to think that I wouldn't scream as much as Jordan North has <laughs> in the first couple of episodes. <laughs> You know what? It's funny watching him actually because Jordan used to work for um, for Radio Five Live, and years ago when I used to do bits on Richard Bacon's show, and I used to travel up to Salford, and it was Jordan who who used to be the one that used to come and meet me at reception and like let me in with his pass, and he would make brews and stuff for everybody, and he's a genuinely nice he's a genuinely nice lad, and he's done really really well, and I still find it quite quite odd to see you know this this kid that used to look after us so well and be so nice and friendly he's now on 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 telly and he's now become a, a big star but no fair play to him i think um he's good on the radio and, and he's, he's providing entertainment now um what his life will be like when he gets out i don't know because <laughs> because he's gonna get he's gonna get the mickey taken out of him but he's doing well so far so. yeah it is a good watch good luck, him. good luck to him i don't normally like it i don't watch the australian one i've only watched this one because it's in wales and it's it's been good and he's been the standout so far no what i hate though the people who just like there's people in it and i don't even know the names because they haven't done yeah. anything oh, that's, that's all like, i mean i know a lot of it comes down to editing but um oh, we were actually, oh you mean you haven't seen them in it well, they're just not doing anything well, aj the, the dancer from strictly's done nothing i you? know and he was like that yeah. last night going oh yes we get to eat tonight i was uh, like what have you done <laughs> get up there and smack a spider or something you know it was like yeah um dave i think you could go i think you could be on it i've seen some of the people who've been on it and as ped said before you've got over 100 caps on radio yeah. quite easily yeah you are radio royalty so i think i I think you might be getting a phone call next year. Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, the, 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 the ITV producers listen to this. We know that. Yeah. In fact, it's an appointment yeah. to listen for them. So, so. so you never know. I mean, this yeah. could be put down as a come and get me plea for, for next year, wherever that may be. <laughs> free, you could be on a free transfer. You know what I mean? It'd be a lot, a lot easier for them to get you out. I've been, I've been on a free transfer for years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but the Umani ass of radio. <laughs> I, had my, my locker taken, I had my locker taken away from me in 2012. <laughs> still hanging around. Oh, it's good. Still it's hanging around. Good. Dave, before we let you go, where, yeah. where can we hear you? What are you doing at the moment? Um, you can't really hear me on no, anything other, come than, on. other than this. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm very busy behind the scenes making a whole series of podcasts, so... Uh, I produce the official EFL podcast every week, which is hosted by uh, Five Live presenter Mark Clement, um, which sees me busy interviewing managers and players and whatnot from the Championship League One and League Two. So that's something I enjoy. I produce a podcast for Dick and Dom. I produce a podcast called Dion's Gaffer Tapes at the moment, where Dion Dublin goes and speaks to his old managers, which has been brilliant, by the way. That's been really, really fun to do. It's basically Dion sitting down on Zoom with his old managers with a beer in their hand and stuff like that, and just having that conversation that they would have if they ran into each other in the pub. And it's been really, really, really funny. 
Um, so yeah, I'm just busy doing stuff like that and just working yes. in my newly converted spare room. Uh, like a lot of people, I went to Ikea, I went and bought myself a 30 pound desk, made it myself, stuck it in the corner and off I go. Because I'm not, I, I only go out, the first time I go out normally in, in the week is on a Thursday, but the bin's out. <laughs> I, can, I can be in from a, from a Sunday to a Thursday night and not literally walk out the, the front door. So, I'm glad you explained. I'm glad you explained what Dion's gaffer tapes was because I had visions of Dion Dublin tying people up in gaffer tape in his in his, uh, in his cellar. I thought he was like Holmes under a hammer. He was doing it. I was thinking he's still Dion, Dion let... empty because the owner is in the loft. I've tied them up in gaffer tape. And he wasn't buy a version of his dupe. Oh, that would be a different show, Dave. It's been great to have you on the podcast this week. Uh, as always and hopefully well we'll have you on back soon now that we know you're in your spare room and you don't move him and bush hey listen him and bush yeah should we should we do a should we do a, a bush and me special should we will we, we should that? do definitely definitely get you both on so it was always the dream that was the dream that was the, podcast that was the pipeline that was that was in the pipeline get you and bush on to and do then it. he selfishly left manchester and, and yeah Went through, you know, his, yeah, went through his yeah. borderline tier two place. <laughs> borderline. <laughs> but, yeah, went all, went all Dominic Cummings and started travelling to his tier two <laughs> residence. But here's, here's the thing, the irony of the whole thing being, and you're absolutely right, because we did talk about this yeah. a couple of years ago, didn't we, Being That would be the dream and have the four of us on there. However, now, in the situation that we find ourselves with technology that we yeah. didn't even know existed then. Exactly. It's actually, it's actually much easier to do it now <laughs> yeah. because we're all, we're all in our virtual studio anyway. We could do it whenever. So let's, let's, let's make it happen. Let's, let's do, do that. I had all kinds of mad ideas that we were going to do. We've got, we got Dave in Manchester and we've got Andy's going to be in London. And then this thing called Zoom appeared. And it was yeah, like, this would be dead easy. Let's do it. Yeah. Right. Let's you definitely go. do it. Big thanks Boys, to thank Dave. Thank Go on, big thanks to Dave for joining us on the podcast this week. We'll be back next week. See you later.